Hello, my name is Mark Searby and I'm a film critic, broadcaster and author of Al Pacino, The Movies Behind the Man. Thanks for clicking play on episode 7 of All About Al, the Pacino podcast. Now, as it's coming up to the gift-giving season for many, on this episode I decided to take a look at the figures of Al Pacino. And specifically the couple of sets that Funko Pop had put out. There doesn't seem to be that many Al Pacino figures out there outside of the Scarface ones that seem to be littered all over eBay. So actually getting a figure of a character that Al Pacino has played at some point in his career is a rarity. To help me assess and investigate the Al Pacino figures playground, I've brought in someone who knows the market very well. His name is Chris Sully, or Sully to his friends. He's a very successful streamer on Twitch. However, before that, he used to work in the marketing department at Funko head office. He's been privy to a lot of dealings of how Funko select the figures to make. Chris gives the inside track on what makes a successful Funko Pop, why there are so few Al Pacino figures, and whether the man himself would need to give authorization to use his likeness. I've known Solly for over a decade now and his knowledge on the Funko and figures market is very, very good. So here it is, All About Al, the Pacino podcast, episode 7, with Twitch streamer Chris Sully discussing Al Pacino figures. When did you start at Funko? Uh, No, November of 2016. Right. Okay. So you... So two years before that, there was this Al Pacino Scarface Funko, which came out. Yeah, I remember that. You remember it. So it was still active when you was there. Is that right? Well, to say active is is uh, misleading. It had been out. It was, I believe, already vaulted, meaning they didn't produce it anymore. It was hard to come by. You're talking about the one in the ride? Well, there's there's two. There's the one in the car, yeah. and then there's the one yeah. on its own, just with the machine gun. They did both have it out them, on its own. Yeah, both of them came out at the same time. Yeah, so, they would have been vaulted by then, meaning you could. They didn't produce them anymore, but they were available on the secondary market. So it had been out. I knew of it. I don't think I own either one, but I had seen them. Yeah. Right. Okay. So what is the rough time frame for something coming out and then being vaulted at, at, at kind of at that time? Because I imagine it's probably different now. Yeah, it was much, uh, much slower than now. Now it could happen in a matter of a few months. Back then it was, it, I think it felt more like a year or longer for a lot of the products because I think it has a lot to do with the way that they get the licensing for things at Funko, which I was only in a little bit, overlapped with a little bit, but they will go in with a contract and say, hey, XYZ, whatever movie or television show or celebrity, we want to make your pop, grant us the license for, and I think they usually try for a year in that year they can produce it as much as they want again depending on the contract because each one's catered a little bit uh so if it's a high success rate if it's doing really well they'll print multiple waves of it they'll produce multiple waves i don't know what the sales were like on that one Uh, honestly i was never really uh, really got to see those numbers on sales for anything but things would get you'd see it restocked at hot topic or target or something if it was a successful run uh, back in those days, I it wasn't as Funko wasn't as popular, so I would venture a guess that they made one wave, waited a little while, that was it. When they realized they weren't going to make any more, 
they they officially vault it, meaning we're not going to produce anymore, and that lets the fans know, hey, you better grab it if you can because it's not going to be around anymore. Well, this is my question to you, and obviously I'm kind of focusing it on the Scarface Funkos, and I'll come back to sure. the, the the image rights in a moment, but obviously these, so these two Scarface Funko Pops, you look at them online now, I'm looking at one, you know, the, just the one on its own, and there is a website, you can, you know, you'll know this anyway, but there's websites out there that tell you how much these movies go, uh, these Funkos go for. Now, this Scarface one is going for somewhere in the region of $220. That seems about right, yeah. So this is, the, that's about an average then for something. I Again, I wouldn't say average because you've got some things during that era that, that would spike for thousands of dollars. It's all about supply and demand because when Funko stops making a particular pop or pop ride in this case, um it's no longer available to buy it like your target and your hot topics and wherever at retail so it really just falls on the secondary market and the fans that bought theirs or multiple and how they put them for sale out on the market if there are far less of those of course the price is going to go up significantly and i would venture a guess that back in if that was 2014 that was produced yeah. uncle probably only made a few thousand i would guess probably five thousand or under Total guess, total speculation. There's no way to, to verify that. One thing we can look at is on some of those apps, we can see uh, how many people say they have it in their collection. And that can sometimes give you a little bit of an idea. So I'm looking at uh, like the, I'm trying to find it myself here in, in one of the apps. But if a few hundred people say they have it, there's probably only a couple thousand that exist in the world. And that makes it much rarer, meaning secondary market is going to go for a lot more money in the long run because not many will ever go up for sale. Would the same amount of numbers be made for just the figure and also the figure with the ride as well? Ooh, that's a tough question. I do know a, a little piece of information that kind of helps tell the story is when Funko produces a mold, i.e. the original design in 3D that they, they then print or, or make the more figures from, that mold cost them a lot of money. I heard numbers for an individual pop around $10,000 to produce that initial mold. And then they produce as many pops as they can to make that money back, of course, right? With the pop ride, I heard numbers anywhere around twenty-five dollars to $30,000 because of the how the size of it and how big it is. So they, you'll notice they don't make as many pop rides as they do pops because of that cost. They've got to, they've got to be the, the at least likelihood that you would sell out of all of your inventory to cover your initial cost because they pay that up front. So I would guess that they make a lot of the ride, but probably not as many. If they made, so let's say 10,000 of the Scarface pop, the, uh, the individual figure, they probably only make like 5,000 of the ride because they know it's a higher retail too. That's more like 29.99 versus 9.99. Not as many people are going to shell out the 30 bucks as would the 10. The thing is as well is on these secondary markets, if you look at the one with the ride, it is effectively worth more as an average. You look at it and some of these places are saying $250, which is a heck of a lot of money for something that, as you said, is limited more than just the figure itself. So yeah. let me ask you about image rights, because in the past, there's not been that many Al Pacino figures at all. Mm -hmm. right. NECA have, have done a couple in the past that I recall, and maybe um, I think there was a company in the Far East that might have done something. 
But this is the first time that I can recall there has been Al Pacino figures at a reasonable cost that most people can afford. How is that possible in terms of getting image rights? That's a good question, too. I know in the little bit of time that I got to overlap with the licensing crew at Funko, and this was very limited because we were all so busy in our own individual departments, they approach each one with, I think, like a boilerplate, like a template contract that says, we're going to give you X amount of money up front and then X amount of money uh, on the sales of the pop or pop ride or whatever. Every one of those can be catered to the individual, but none of them are real generous to start with. I don't know exact numbers. Plus, I think I'd feel a little funny saying it, even though I'm no longer there. Sure. But but they go, and I I don't think it's an exciting thing for most of those celebrities, unless they already <laughs> know what a pop is. Right. I don't think it moves the needle, especially for an Al Pacino who's making millions of dollars a film. If Funko comes to them with their little pittance, their few thousand dollars or whatever, he's probably like, eh, don't really care. That's fine. If you want to do the thing, do the thing. That would be my guess. But sometimes when these actors sign on to projects, they sign away their licensing rights for figures on the character, not on the actor, which is why you very rarely see a pop that will actually say the actor's name on it. It mm -hmm. almost always says the character name. So it's the chances are whoever owns the rights to Scarface, uh, I apologize, I don't know who, uh, they probably owned that likeness and were able to then go out and make the deal on their own without his final approval. And you see, that's interesting because that kind of that kind of flips on what I know, because you'll know this because obviously we're kind of the same age is that many years yeah. ago, there was a computer game about the Godfather mm -hmm. that was on Xbox and PlayStation. And then at the same time, there was a Scarface computer game as well. Uh -huh. And for the Godfather, they tried to get Pacino to do the voice to come back in okay. and read some lines. Yeah. And actually, he turned them down because he had signed on to do the Scarface computer game okay. instead. So that could tie in with mm -hmm. what you're saying, is that when they re-upped their licensing deal, which I imagine was probably universal, they got in those image rights as well. Would that all tie into how it would work for Funko then? Uh, not necessarily. What you're talking about is some new content that's being created. So he would have had to come back into the fold and do something that creates new IP, essentially. Uh, in this case, if you're just making a Scarface pop or a ride, uh, you're going off the existing IP. And again, I think in this case, if it's Universal, Universal probably owned the likeness uh, of the, of course, him and the car when it's when it's Tony. Hmm. It wasn't it was an owl. Yeah. If they did a pop that said Al Pacino on the front, they'd have to go back to him and get his rights and everything. But since they were making Tony, chances are they could do whatever they wanted. He may or may not have it in his contract to receive royalties on that. If you think back to, I always go back to the Star Wars thing. I think we've always heard of, of how the much money was made off the toys and what, and how that made Lucas into a billionaire above all else. The movies did great, but the toys were where he made his money because he was smart enough to go, I want like 20% of all those sales. That was in 1978, 76, 77, 78, somewhere in there. When was Scarface made? Uh, early 80s. Early 80s. I doubt anybody was thinking about the licensing rights for Scarface and toys at the time. You know, like, would you, and back then, if you went to the theater in 19, you know, in 82 and saw the film, you didn't rush out going, oh, I got to have a toy of Tony. 
I need the Tony, you know, like, I don't, I don't think that was happening. So I doubt many people were thinking about it at that time. I bet he just signed a contract blanketly that did away with him having any say on products made from the film. And if he did have any say, it probably wasn't specific to toys. You know, they, they word those things very carefully. So yeah, yeah. I, I bet he didn't get a penny for any of this, but on the flip side, how you mentioned there haven't been many other Al Pacino, there haven't been any other Al Pacino pops. Famously, Tom Cruise does not want pops made of himself. There was one that got out for Mummy for a hot second before he put the kibosh on it. That one's worth a ton of money because they didn't make many. There are no others. There's no Top Gun Maverick. There's no, you know, name his characters. There aren't any because he had in his contracts that he gets final say on his likeness in toys as well. I remember that because it was for the Mummy. The movie mm -hmm. that's obviously flopped really badly and i remember it yeah. going like that and, and it just being astronomical the numbers because yeah, it had just I'd, dropped out i'd be willing to get guess that only a few hundred of those ever saw the light of day i think in all my years of attending cons and working for funko and being a collector i think i may have only seen one in person wow so yeah, even... I'm, uh, I'm looking on ebay now uh, that's that's my go-to source for a lot of this of course it's speculation but to go to eBay and see what things are selling for and specifically to look at the um, completed sales, like looking what somebody's asking for something is, is one thing. It, it may give you a little information, but to look at completed sales, you know, money exchanged hands. That's where it's at. Uh, and I'm not seeing a single one of those mummy Tom Cruise that sold in the last few months. That's very telling. Rare as hen's teeth, basically. Rare as hen's teeth. That's something y'all across the pond say. I never heard that one before. <laughs> Great. Rare as hen's teeth. There's a new one to add to the rep. That sounds like a Southern thing, doesn't it? That sounds like something a Texan would know. Well, you can put it into your repertoire. Feel free. Feel there free. There we go. Next stream, I'm going to say it. <laughs> so we, we have these Funko Pops in 2014. And then in 2016, Funko released the Reaction Scarface ones as well. Okay. Yep. How do how does those toys, figures, whatever we want to call them, compare to the normal Funko Pops? Like, what is the what is the general reaction to those internally at Funko? Are they seen as we can go a bit more adult with those compared to the Funkos? Good question. Those were a real unique thing for Funko because back when I was collecting in 20, I want to say it was like 2014 or 2015, Funko entered into a deal with Reaction, which was a separate company, to make some really cool alien, I forget what anniversary, like 40th anniversary maybe, um, figures that came in an egg that looked like the alien egg, and then inside was was basically a mystery of which action figure you were going to get based on the aliens or Ripley or whatnot. Then they the two companies formed a partnership that went for several years and then was ended I think before I even got to Funko. So it only lasted a year or two. By the time that one came out, I'm not sure if that was a Funko reaction uh, collaboration or if that was simply a reaction thing. It may have been simply a reaction, which is still a company today. In fact, one of my old coworkers from Funko went to work there, two of them now. Um, internally, I didn't hear a lot of conversations around it, but I think you can you can definitely see in the figures themselves, they're highly... They're not as highly stylized. They look way more like the actual character. They're meant to compete in the uh, action figure category, which ironically, normal pops do fit into that category, but we don't think of it that way. 
um, because they don't have any, um, what is it, uh, points of articulation. That's how they talk about those little moving arms and elbows and knees and whatnot. Um, so I, I think that was Funko's just attempt to compete with uh, other products in the category made by like Hasbro and Mattel and whatnot. And I don't think that ever really took off, which is probably why that that line ended as a collaboration and now it's just reaction. I don't, I don't even hear a lot of fans talking about collecting reaction figures or action figures period i think that that lends itself to a a different audience than the funko pop collectors for the most part there's some overlap but i, I don't think it's a big overlap you're talking there about um it's aimed at a different market i would guess that maybe the scarface funko pop was possibly aimed at a different market because yeah. that's got a machine gun in it yeah well, Funko has not shied away from trying different licenses and as many licenses as possible. If you look across the board, they've done everything from your Disney movies, of course, Sully, which is my favorite one to collect from Pixar, all the way to the other end of the spectrum. They did, um, oh, what was the name? Um, crap. There's a series in it, a famous series from the 80s, and there's a woman, a dead body wrapped in a plastic bag. Twin uh, Peaks. Twin Peaks. I got it. Oh, good. I got it. I got it just as you said it. <laughs> They made that as a pop, the dead body in a plastic bag. That's really on the other end of the spectrum. There have been quite a few with weapons. They don't shy away from adult topics when they make the pops. I think it really has more to do with where are those pops sold? You're probably not going to find uh, back in the day, your Scarface at your local Target and Walgreens, you know, uh, but you may have found it at a collectible store or Entertainment Earth or something like that that services a wider range of collectors. So I think that's where they were careful in their placement. But yeah, you, you've got a lot. I mean, think of the movies that they've made pops for that were violent, uh, that had guns, that had weapons. I mean, there's a John Wick pop. So, you, you know, there's a few deaths in that movie. I don't know if you know that. Spoiler alert. <laughs> it's true. It's just it kind of. I guess I'm looking back to 2014 and thinking they're putting out a Funko that's got a gun, which yeah. would that be at the early stages of them putting something out that was more aimed towards the, the adult under market, do you think? Or, or have they already started on that? I, you might be right. It might be towards the higher end. I'm, I'm in my head going back to what I was buying in those years. Most of it was Disney a little Marvel, definitely DC, and there were no weapons in those. You, you had He-Man, but he had a sword, not a gun. That's a little different. I don't think there were a lot, you're right, at that point that were a little more adult themed. So maybe that was maybe that was them attempting to get into those markets. You, you got, you got, uh, there's, a, there's another one on the other end of the spectrum, Die Hard. They made pops for that uh, four or five years ago. And the ho, 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 I've got a machine gun now. I don't think that's what it says on there. I think it says, ho, 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 I've got a gun now, or it was edited in some way. So maybe they were trying to be a little more family friendly. I don't know. I mean, I can't think of a recent pop that's had a machine gun or even a pistol in it. Oh, oh there was another one, Walking Dead, Carl, 7-Eleven exclusive. Uh, he, was, he was holding a gun, I think. So there have been some where they did. I, I don't know. Maybe it has a lot more to do with the licensor the company that's that's giving the license or selling the license than it does Funko's decision. Because I know I, I famously will argue the art a lot of times. People think Finding Nemo were some of the worst pops ever made and because of the art. And I'll always say, I bet that wasn't the artist's originally in, original intention. I bet they drew something that was much more pop-like and Disney came back and was like, 
guess what? You either do it our way or you don't get the license. Make them look more like the actual characters. And thus, this is what we get because they don't understand the Funko Pop collectors. They just understand money and they think they'll make more that way. Sure. You mentioned in there, actually, um, about the artist's work of it. So somebody had to sit there and draw these Scarface Funkos before production. Would they, because obviously you've been privy to this, would they have used a template of Pacino for that? Would they have taken a still from the movie and gone around that? Yeah, I got the chance to walk through uh, the way our building was set up in Everett, where the headquarters was. The fourth floor was the complete art team. And I'd have to go through there a lot to go up to meetings. I would purposely leave minutes early to make sure I could walk through that floor as slowly as possible and make as many friends as possible because I wanted to see what they were working on. That was the only way I was going to get the real early in. And if you saw them, they would have several um, screens up in front of them. One of them, those being those big uh, tablet that you can draw right on the screen well before iPads became as accessible to do the same with. But the other screen would have up uh, movie stills, color swatches. If it was an actor, like in this case, they probably had Al Pacino images from that wasn't even from Scarface, from other things, so that they could see the different angles. Even though, I mean, you look at a pop and you go, how hard is it to make that round face with a couple of eyes and some eyebrows and a nose? But amazingly, you can take a pop out of context and often guess what it is. So there's definitely, there's still art to that chibi look. And somebody was looking at a lot of reference materials, I, I would assume. I would, it'd be awesome if you could find the artists that worked on that series and if they actually had any of the reference materials or their early sketches. That's something we don't get to see a lot. Um, Funko put the end to that while I was there because some information was getting leaked. But the artists used to share their sketches and drawings, their early concepts, before they actually got molded and made into an official mold. Maybe one of those old artists out there still has all that stuff somewhere to look at. Wouldn't that be cool? Oh, so now we need to find out who was the instigator behind starting this Scarface Funko. There weren't many artists back then. You maybe have five to ten that were employed at the time. You must yeah, know we, the, you must know these people. Come, I on. know a few we could we could reach out to and see if they remember working on Scarface. I, I can think of one in particular that might be your guy. So I'll see what I can drum up for you. That would be really interesting. I would love to interview them and then sit there and say, yes, on my table, I had reference pictures from Scarface. And on the table next to me had reference pictures from Finding Nemo. Yeah, <laughs> they're working on them simultaneously. Yes. I hope Disney didn't have any input on your on your Tony. That, that would be that would be a, a, a gross misuse of power. <laughs> I want to ask you about moving away from the Scarface thing. And um, obviously, last year was uh, a big anniversary for, for the Godfather and Funko released a set of Godfather uh, Funko Pops. When you have a big license like that. How careful do Funko have to be? to get everything right for every single character to put it all out as a kind of a set. I mean, there is a responsibility there. The fans will quickly snap back and let Funko know if they don't do a good job on something. Uh, But more importantly, you've got a relationship with the, the studio or licensor to make sure that you're, you're making something that reflects their project. Well, but it's not a, it's not, let's say Disney, let's say Marvel, Marvel for Endgame goes to Funko and says, hey, do your thing. We've been doing this back and forth a while. Make the figures for the movie. It's not like Funko makes them and then just puts them in production. There's a back and forth that happens quite a few times with some sort of merchandising manager on the end of the licensor 
So somebody at Marvel in this case who looks at it and goes, uh, uh-uh, not even close. Here's some edits or this isn't the direction we were thinking. We want more of this, you know, they, they, there's some give and take there uh, famously. Well, maybe not so famously to everybody else, but for me, I knew internally that star Wars was the most finicky by a long shot. There was a back and forth that took months. And in the, one of the final stages, Reese, who was the artist in charge of all the star Wars stuff would have to make a physical mold, get on a plane, go to LucasArts, sit in a room, show them so they could look at the whole thing, make notes, and then he would have to bring all that back and make any corrections that needed to be made because they wanted everything to be just perfect, which is funny because if you look at all the years, over the years of Star Wars licensed materials, you can buy a Darth Vader toaster and spatula set from 1985 when they clearly <laughs> didn't give two shits. But but now, uh, now that they've gotten, you know, uh, so high and mighty, they're very, very careful. Them and and I think that the worst one to license these days is uh, Harry Potter, WB. They are extremely protective of that brand. I don't blame them. There's a lot of money to be made. And look how good those, if you've seen the pictures from the parks, I was just at one in um, Universal Studios, California last week. And that park is, I'm glad they went to the links they did. It is amazing. I don't even like Harry Potter. And I love Wizarding World. That, that place is freaking amazing. <laughs> In terms of the Godfather Funkos that are out there, um, they've got one with Brando. I mean, Brando is one of the Funko. I say Brando, obviously I'm I'm referring to Vito Corleone and it's got the cat in it. And I kind of like that. It's kind of fun because, you know, the cat is only in the movie for two minutes or something. Tell me about the chase differences because there are two Michael Corleone Funkos, one in one color suit and one in another. And you could only get one of them from select shops now i know this is kind of a big deal in the us but here in the uk those types of things don't really pop up that much yeah i'm still shocked at that to be honest with you i thought this would have become a worldwide phenomenon by now there's several we we call them variants in the industry that each figure can have and there's a lot of ways you can approach this one is a chase and that would be if funko ships a bunch of a product let's say dc the flash this is one of the first chases i got years ago for every at that time for every 36 or 35 regular pops where it was just the chase in his red uniform one would be a chase that was metallic in color and would have a chase sticker on there over the years the chase weren't used as much for anything outside of dc they finally got more popular over the last few years and now it's more like one in six will be a chase those are just randomly distributed to stores so it's a nice touch for fans who want to get a little bit different version. Sometimes it's as simple as paint, like you said, a suit color. Sometimes it's more complicated. They'll have a different mold with different arms or legs or a uh, facial expression or something. Those are chases. Then you've got uh, store exclusives, which is what I'm shocked that we don't see more in the UK and other European uh, countries is why why aren't they working with retailers in the states you got i mentioned them before target walgreens i hate to say walmart because that place is the devil but there they are uh entertainment earth and all these other different companies where funko goes directly to and says hey we want to make something exclusive for you and your customers to draw them into your stores or to your website or whatever we've got here we're doing marvel Endgame. i'll use that again uh we've got 15 different pieces of art choose one and that can be your exclusive and then the only place you can get that is to go to that store and or online and they'll have it there. There are exceptions. Your local comic book store may buy them and resell them, but that wasn't sold directly to them. Uh, but in the UK, I've never seen them do this. Instead, you guys over there get the goofy holographic 
um, uh, exclusive sticker that I, I despise that thing. They've since redone it and the art on it is better now. Uh, but still, it's more of a generic like, hey, you don't live in the U.S., here's your exclusive. That, that's basically how it's approached. I'm a, I'm a sticker whore. I'll admit it. <clears throat> if there's if there's a Sully, because I collect all those, if there's one, like I have one that was a Toys R Us exclusive. Toys R Us got shut down. They moved that to Amazon. I've got both stickers because I was able to find both. If they made a European version with that stupid holographic sticker, I'd buy that too. Because to me, each one of those represents a different story. And I want each of them. And if you look in those apps like uh, the Funko app or HobbyDB or any of the others that value the figures based on recent sales, you'll see that there can be a huge difference in the value depending on the sticker. It's very interesting. Go to San Diego Comic-Con, go to the booth, get a pop there with the San Diego Comic-Con sticker. It's going to be worth sometimes a little more all the way up to like three or four times the value of the exact same pop that you could buy at Hot Topic with the shared sticker that'll say something like summer convention exclusive because of the rarity of the sticker. They can only have so many in the booth, but Hot Topic may have 10,000 of it. And there, there you go again with that supply and demand in the secondary market. These weird things start to happen. And I always find it very amusing, especially I, the, the perception from fans on why things the way they are. They are all conspiracy theories and the world is ending and bots rule everything. And I'm like, calm down. Don't wet the bed. Let me explain why I think this is probably a thing. It's it's nuts to hear these stories run rampant, not only about the products, but about the company itself. And and even us, when I worked there, there were stories all the time about what's going on with the Funcast crew. And I'm like, oh, calm down. It's it, you guys. It doesn't it's not a big deal at all. I promise. It's, you. it's hilarious that there is conspiracy theories around toys. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. that's that's incredible. But, you know, you were saying there about you, you collect all of the, the Sully's with the stickers on yep. as well. Well, mm -hmm. that's no different to me collecting the Funkos behind me uh, of the yep. Godfather, because ultimately, as I said at the beginning, there's not many Al Pacino figures out there. And while Al Pacino himself or Scarface or the Godfather doesn't really lend itself that much to figures, there is something about having a figure on your shelf that goes, I am a huge fan of this. Um, yeah. And I would like it on there. I'm not, you know, there was, um, there was a Scar Scarface figure came out a few years ago where he slumped yeah. in his chair and it's really nice and it's really articulated very well. And, you know, it's just kind of missing the table that maybe might have some drugs on it or, you know, look, drugs are bad. So we won't say, <laughs> talk about that, but it was really nice. But we were talking somewhere in the region of about $90, which, for most of us, is out of uh, mm. remit of, of purchasing anything. So, so Funko come along and say, here's something for $9.99. And it kind of looks like Al, but it's from the movie. You can see why some fans would pick it up. But I'm just, I find it curious that they would do licenses for Scarface, not too much, but Godfather, you know, nobody's going, I'd love a, uh, I'd love a Sonny Corleone figure. And yet they've done it. This is the thing. Like, there's a Sonny Corleone figure yeah. with a trash can. And, I mean, who who asked for that? Nobody. But it's on my shelf. You'd be surprised. When we, we used to do weekly Q&As uh, where we would go on Twitter and answer questions in real time. And the stuff people ask for, I'd be like, what are you even talking about? You're the one person on the planet that wants this. One of the loudest groups was for that show, um, Winona Earp. I watched it. Entertaining show. Not talking bad about them or their audience, because I'd probably be found dead tomorrow if I did. But the 
they were so engaged in that show and so excited and no one else was making products. And Funko was probably the most likely to actually say, let's try this license. It's niche, but let's see what happens if we put it out there. And they ended up making them and the fans went nuts for a few of them, but then immediately turned and were like, it's not enough. You're not making the characters we want. Like this is, we're going to riot. Like, that's a that's an that's an intense crowd, and I don't know if there's an intense Godfather crowd out there. I haven't heard them, uh, but another another part of the history of Funko that makes it really interesting is how much it is relies on the thoughts of the owner, uh, well, former owner now uh, president um, uh, CEO Brian Mariotti. A lot of the stuff that's made is just because he wants it. Hanna Barbera is still alive because he wanted to make Hanna Barbera, regardless of if fans wanted it. He And I think Godfather may have been one of those movies because he's a little older than me. He's right in the range. He probably grew up, was a fan, and said, one day, I'm going to make some toys for Godfather. Whether or not he thought it back then or just thought it while he was on the treadmill one day while working while running Funko, if he wanted it to happen, it would happen. And I'd be willing to bet it was him was the guy that was going, I think we need these. Things have definitely changed with the collectible community since those days of Scarface and even the Godfather. Like, the the older movies and stuff if it's not like an 80s one that's just you know uh, all-time classic back to the future godfather i mean uh ghostbusters stuff like that it doesn't seem to resonate as much anymore now it's all about anime uh marvel movies disney still around dc movies like really anime seems to be ruling the roost above all else which is very interesting because they weren't making anime when i started at funko and then it became a thing overnight and it's become huge so there's ebbs and flows, but your Godfather audience, no offense to, to anyone who's a Pacino fan or a Godfather fan, we're a little older. And uh, we're probably not the ones making a lot of the decision making with our money and buying toys. So, you know, it, it gets tricky. They've got to service the uh, they got to service the almighty dollar above all else. So what you're saying is those of us who own the Scarface Funkos reactions, Godfather Funkos uh-huh. should keep hold of them because they mm-hmm. could be worth some more money and we are in yeah. a minority. Yeah, there you go. I mean, what if they remake, God forbid, I'm not saying anyone should do this. Don't quote me and get me killed by another group. Uh, the Godfather remake. Could it happen in our lifetimes? Seems like it's very possible. And then when that happens, they'll put out new pops for that one. But guess what? The OG Godfather ones from years ago, people go, oh, those exist. I didn't know those exist. i don't remake movies. I like the original one better. And now I need this pop on my shelf, you know, and now there's a whole new wave of, of fandoms and protecting fandoms. And all of a sudden you see that one jump through the roof. could be very interesting to see what the long-term play on that is. You see, this is why I could have you on here for, for days, just talking yeah. about the knowledge of things like that. That's why I wanted to focus it mainly on Pacino because obviously this is an Al Pacino podcast and because sure. there's not been many Al Pacino figures in the world ever, regardless of whether they've been $300, there's a, there's a wonderful Carlito's Way articulate um, figure that's like $300, proper leather mm-hmm. coat, as in you can take all the bits off, it's got proper leather, you can change the hands, you can possibly change the beard. It's amazing, but it's rare. And this mm-hmm. is the thing with some others. I was at San Diego Comic-Con um, with yourself one year. Yeah. I'm trying to think what year it was. And somebody had a prototype godfather for marlon brando's character vito corleone and it was amazing absolutely brilliant i took loads of photos of it it never saw the light of day that happens 
Yep, they teased it. They wanted to see what the demand was. It wasn't there. They decided it wasn't a good financial decision. Or, you know, the more I learn about this industry, and I'm still learning every day, the more I'm surprised at how it seems to be built on a stack of cards, a house of cards. When, when um, COVID came around, a lot of these companies had things in the pipe that they were going to produce. Uh, supply supplied uh, chain issues came up. And now if you wanted to make the same product you were going to make a year ago for, and you could retail at $9.99, you may have to make it now and retail it for $39.99. Just getting things produced overseas and shipped over here has become a much bigger deal. It's much more expensive. It's much more time consuming. I, I had a friend want to start his own toy line. Foolishly, he chose me as the first character. Uh, I have one. They're called Mycons. We sold out in 14 minutes of the first couple hundred of them, but it took a year and a couple months to finally get them in from overseas. By the time he got them produced and shipped over, he took a loss on every one of them because wow. of how much changed in that one year. He had built in a 20, 30% cushion that was completely gone and changed, uh, not to mention the production. Now some extra added on fees of, oh, if that's going to get shipped here, we now have this fee you got to pay. And we got to, you got to pay this fee to store it for X amount of time and ditto, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a tough market. It's a tough thing. And, and who knows, maybe that company put that out there and then the house of cards fell below them before they could produce it. Uh, it's, it's really interesting. I've learned so many things that just boggle my mind of how any of this stuff is ever made. I've got one last question for you. And mm -hmm. we're going to step away from Funko. And you yeah. are, you love your movies. I know that because obviously we've been friends for, for many years now. And every time yeah. I see you, we always talk movies, we always talk TV shows um, over several pints of beer as well. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I just want to ask you your favorite Al Pacino movie. You know, that's a tough one. I was going through the list this morning to, to prepare for the podcast, doing a little research. And in and, and my... I was raised in the 80s and 90s. That's when I, my uh, formative movie years were, if you will. And the first movie I remember seeing in the theater that, that resonated for me with Al Pacino was Son of a Woman. Really liked that. Uh, it's a great movie. But he's been in so many fantastic ones over the years. It's really hard to pick. But for my money, if I had to, to only pick one, I think I'd go with Heat. I love Heat. That is such a great movie. So many amazing cast uh, uh, actors in it. And of course, for him to play off of De Niro in that one, that was uh, famously they hadn't done anything or much, I think anything at that point together. And then all of a sudden they're in this movie together. Yeah, they'd never been on screen together. Okay, and then in the same in, movie, but didn't film together. Yeah. Gotcha, yeah. But the, but the beauty of that is that we are waiting for these two titans of crime movies. Mm -hmm. And what happens the first time they meet? They're drinking coffee. Yeah. 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 They kind of threw you, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. what you were expecting. That's, That's good. Thing. That's what you want at the movies. You don't want it to be something you've already got in your mind. People, that's what people, moviegoers nowadays want it to be how they think. Like I've come up with this in my mind. If you don't make that movie, it's you're dead to me. Rotten Tomatoes, zero. It's very interesting. When I started going to the movies, you went and it was this experience that you let wash over you. You're going to tell me a story I've never heard before. And the only group I'm going to get to complain to is the other kids at the cafeteria later on this week. And we're not even going to know how to, how to critique a movie. We're just going to be, did you see it? Yeah, cool. That was it. Now you go to the internet and blast a movie. And oh, I, I can't imagine how many of our famous classics that we love. Like how would Scarface have performed today 
against an internet audience. Would it have been regarded highly? Chris Sully there talking about Al Pacino figures and what makes a successful Funko Pop. This episode was meant to be a bit of fun with Sully. I thought it might be interesting to investigate the Al Pacino figure market. But then talking to Sully, it sort of took on a life of its own. And when he was talking about how Disney look at every single detail, have to sign off every curve and wave or accessory, it suddenly put the lack of Al Pacino figures into a bit more perspective. I think the ultimate takeaway for me from that chat with Sully was that if there is a new Al Pacino figure being sold, grab it quickly because it's likely to be a very limited quantity. My thanks to Solly for coming on the podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have any feedback, then please do get in touch. You can find me on X, aka Twitter, on Instagram and on Blue Sky. Or you can contact me via my website, MarkSearby.com. If you enjoyed this episode, then please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast for all future episodes. Happy holidays and until next time. (laughs) 